let's go. Um, but we are looking at 1 Samuel chapter 17. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and, and turn there. And I want to I make a statement to you this morning. And I want this to sink in deeply. I don't care what age you are. If you were listening to this message, I want you to know that God's not done with you. God is not through with you. I, I don't care if you're young. I don't care if you're old. I don't care if you fall in between some there. I, I don't care if, if it's been something that, well, I, I was a Christian and I was strong and I was really doing great, but then I've kind of fallen off and, and I've backslid or I'm not doing what I should be doing. Whatever it is, I want you to know that God is not through with you. He has so much more in store for you to do. And it doesn't matter what age you fall in, what demographic you fall in, God is not through with you. He has exciting new things always for you to do. So I want you to look at the person next to you and I want you to say, God's not through with you. Look behind you, look in front of you and say, God's not through with you. Now, there's a couple of you that said, yeah, you're right. I'm not through with you either. You wait till we get home. Yeah. Um, that happens. We'll talk, you guys can talk about that later. Many years ago, um, I was introduced to Krispy Kreme Donuts in Cincinnati, Ohio. It helped where I had been uh, quite a ways. Now, I know you can go to the grocery store and you can buy Krispy Kreme Donuts. That's right. Nope. Mm -mm. You don't go to Krispy Kreme Donuts. You don't even go to the Krispy Kreme Donuts store and buy donuts unless what? Exactly. If that light's on, that's the time to go. And several years ago, many years ago now, um, I took Justin and Jade, and we had went over uh, to Columbus, Ohio, and we were going to the, the zoo, and we got up uh, that morning, and we went to Krispy Kreme, and it had that, you know, that, that light was on. And so I introduced the kids, and, you know, you, you watch those, you know, they get you know, they go on the conveyor, they get dunked in, they get on the conveyor, then they go through the icing, and then they come out into the box, and you get them hot and fresh right there in front of you. And man, there is just something about that experience. And for some of us, we need that experience in our lives. Because we've been doing so much, but, but there's nothing really happening We've just kind of been going to the grocery store. We've just kind of been getting the, 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 the donuts from, from 7-Eleven because we want a donut. But we're not experiencing the light, the freshness, the hotness of who God is and what he wants to do in our lives. Now, we expect God to move in other people's lives, right? We expect that God is going to work in Shamar's life, but he's probably not going to work in my life. He's going to work in Liz's life, but he's not really going to work in my life. He's going to work in Robert's life, but I don't really expect him to work in, in my life. I expect him to change others, but he's probably not going to change me. He's probably not going to do a work in me. And some of the times... The reason that God doesn't do a work in us and through us is because we come with our own agendas. When we talked about this several weeks with David, he could have said when, when, when his father Jesse said, Hey David, I want you to take this food and I want you to go check on your brothers. David very well could have looked at his dad and said, Dad, don't you know who I am? I'm the king. He could have just said, nah, I don't have to do that. That's not who I am anymore. I don't have to tend the sheep. I don't have to do what you say, Dad. But he was humble. And he allowed God to work in him. And that's how he got into the place that he's in today. It's about surrender and submission. And that's what I want to say. If you want a work to happen in your life today, you have to be willing to surrender. You have to be willing to submit to God's authority. And David is just that perfect example for us. For those of you who are saying, I, I don't know what my next step is. 
I don't know what I should do next in my life. I don't know how God is going to use me. I don't even know if God can use me. I want you just to, to pray about it. I want you to contemplate on it. I want you to talk to somebody about it. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But I want you to take action to find that next step in your life. So as we've been looking through 1 Samuel, uh, we, we, we talked about the fact that there were two camps. And they were each on different hillsides. There was the Philistine army, uh, God's enemy, and then there was uh, God's army, the Israelites. And they were the, on the other hill. And they had prepared for battle. And so what they wanted to do was, they, they, Goliath stood before them. This was the way that it happened back then. And he is a giant. He would come down into the valley for 40 days and twice a day. So 80 times he had come and yelled and called out the nation of Israel. And every time that he stepped forward, the Israelites were scared and afraid. And no one would go out and meet his challenge. David shows up on the scene because he gracefully followed his father's footsteps and as he told him to do, and he was put in the place that he was. And as he went before God, as he went before and saw what was happening, he said, what, what, what? no one's going to fight him. And that's where we come today, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 37 through 39. And we start in verse 37. 37. And David said, The Lord who did, delivered me from the, the paw of the lion and from the, the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Now, remember, David's oldest brother has already made fun of him and said, What are you doing here? Go back and tend to the sheep. You're not a warrior mocked and made fun of then he goes before the king and the king says you can't do this there's no way you're little oh good on you no way you can't take this step but what we need to do is we need to change our perspective Haddon robinson once said any situ in any situation what you are determines what you see what you see determines what you do. This is a similar report of what happened with the 10 spies back in Numbers chapter 13, verse 33. We saw the Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. Everyone else looked at Goliath and they said he has to be a descendant of the Nephilim. He's huge, he's a monster, he's too big to take down. David looked at this same situation and he said, he's too big to miss. I mean, that's the, that's, the, that's the concept that we have to have in our heads. Friends, family, do you see yourself as a victim? If you see yourself as a victim, that's the way that you're going to act. But if you see yourself as a victor, that is how you will respond. If you are paralyzed by fear or feel hopeless about the future, it's time to change your perspective. You need to do what David was trying to get the Israelite nation to do. Focus on the giants, guess what? You're going to stumble. Focus on God, your giants are going to tumble. Let's keep reading. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Not only had he not tested them, do you remember how Saul was chosen to be the king? Yeah, he was the tallest one in all of Israel. He's a big guy. David is the run of the litter. David has little man syndrome. Think about taking somebody that, that is, you know, let's just say he was 6'5", and then trying to put armor on somebody that's 5'5". Five five. It's not going to work too well. 
It's not going to fit. It's not going to work right. He's not going to be able to, to move inside of it. You see, David prepared for battle by sticking with what he knew to be true. Saul brought his own military clothes for David to wear, but David, he, he tried all of it on. But there was no way that he could go into battle, so he took it off. You see, rather than wearing the, the royal armor, David took weapons that was familiar to him. We will never become who God wants us to be as long as we're obsessed with becoming what man wants us to be. Who man wants us to be. You are who you are. God made you who you are. And you need to find how you can work with inside of it. You know, I've talked with people who have said, well, Travis, I'm a drunk. But God took that and gave me a ministry to go back into a bar and witness for Christ. Now, that doesn't work for everybody, okay? But those same people have said, I, I was a drug addict, yet I was able to go back into that community and win them for Christ. See, just because you may fall into a certain category, you think you just need to change everything. Yes, you need to change your perspective, but it doesn't mean you can't witness to those same people and we all have been called to witness to who we've been called to witness to. And who I am able to reach is going to be different than who Scott is going to be able to reach, than who Gavin's going to be able to reach, than who, whoever it is is going to be able to reach. Everybody is going to be different. We will never be who God wants us to be as long as we are consistently obsessed with who man wants us to be. Look at verse 12 took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the book, brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. Now some people would say, well, if he was trusting God, why did he have to pick up five stones? Was he afraid he was going to miss? This is what I love about really trying to understand Scripture. Jared talked about this last week. We look at this and we read this, and what we see is that he was going to kill one Philistine. Well, what we come to find out is that Goliath had four sons. David's saying, hey, when I get done with daddy, bring it. See what happens. Now, we're going to find out that none of them brought it, okay? But he had a purpose behind what he was doing. As we watch David pick up the rocks to confront Goliath, we are reminded that God is not through with us. He says, David, I am with you, and I will always be with you. We need to see what will take us to the next level in our relationship with God. What will take us deeper in a relationship what does that mean for each of us christianity is a simple willingness to follow jesus one step at a time don't look at somebody and go i want their prayer life and think that you're going to come to it like this well i want their ability to serve the way that they do and think that you're automatically going to be that christian automatically the moment that you accept and you repent and you go to the, into the waters of baptism and you come back out and you think that everything's going to be perfect. I'll, I'll never forget, I baptized somebody. <laughs> and as they came out of the water, <laughs> they're going up the steps and they slipped and fell. And oh, S. <laughs> oh, oh, it's okay. <laughs> that just goes to show that we're all fallible. We all make mistakes. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. Even right after we come out of the water, okay? Take one step at a time. That's what Christianity is about. It, it is a relationship, and it is following Jesus one step at a time. So let, let's look at two reasons people don't always do what God wants them to do. The first one is plain and simple. I'm praying about it. How many of you ever used that excuse? Not to do what you know that you need 
to do. Can you think of a time where you've said, somebody said, hey, um, I, I would really like you to do this. Well, can you serve in, in the preschool department? Can, can you work with the junior hires, middle schoolers? Can, can you be a part of the lawn crew? I'll pray about it. Some of you have been praying about it for six years. Don't use that as your excuse not to step up. Prayer is not about permission. It is about submission. It's about putting ourselves into a place where God can draw us closer to him. To refine us. And listen, sometimes that refining has to be done with fire. And we don't like that. But sometimes God uses difficult circumstances to refine us and to pull out all of those impurities from us. Too many times we're not obedient nor paying attention to what God is asking because we're just praying about it. Jeremiah, we, we read this in Jeremiah chapter 37. Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made king in the land of Judah, reigned instead of Konai, the son of Jehoiakim, but neither he nor his servants nor the people of the land listened to the words of the Lord that he spoke through Jeremiah the prophet. King Zedekiah sent Jekyll, the son of Shelemiah, and Zephaniah the priest, the son of Messiah, Messiah, to Jeremiah the prophet saying, please pray for us to the Lord our God. They themselves weren't paying attention to what God was saying. They weren't doing what they had been called to do, yet they still put out those words, pray for us. Some of you will come to me and say, hey, Travis, we pray for my brother because he doesn't know Christ. Hey, Travis, will, will you pray for... My question needs to be to you, what are you doing about it? I'll pray for you and I'll pray for your brother, but are you taking the steps? Are you talking to them about the Lord? Are you sharing the gospel with them? How can we partner? How can we take next steps together? Listen, praying is not about submission. It's, it's about submission and obedience. Rather than going uh, to God with an agenda, we need to seek his agenda in our lives. Listen, prayer is about putting us in the right posture to connect with God. It's about getting us in the right place. God is not our genie in the bottle that we get to pull out and, and get our three, our requests. But he is a holy, listen, he is a holy and a righteous father. And he's just waiting on you. He's waiting on me to realize that we're not the ones in charge. He is. Quit using prayer as an excuse. And when God tells you to do something, do it. Follow it. The second thing, the second reason that, that people don't do what God wants them to do is because we procrastinate. Yeah. How many of you are procrastinators? Me too. Yeah. I, I can get that done. I, back in college, I was a procrastinator in college. I, I, I had to take geology as a class. And we were told that we could do the papers, you know, we had one page a week that we had to do. Or you could do all of them as long as they were all turned in by the end of the semester. And I remember staying up all night because I did the first couple because I stayed up with them. The next thing I knew, I, I'll do that tomorrow. I'm going to go play football. I'll do that later. I'm going to go hang out with friends. I'll, I'll do that one later. I'd stay up all night to get 50 pages done and turned in. 
yeah, in one night. I did it. I got up the next morning, and, and, and they had to be turned in by 8 a.m., and, and, and my friend uh, Jeff w- was moving into an apartment. I, was, I, I turned him in, and I was just knocked out, and I was supposed to be helping him move, and he called me, and I ignored it. And he called me again, and I ignored it. He pounded on the door. I ignored it, but then he kept pounding, so I got up, and I opened the door. And I'm like, what do you want? He said, you're supposed to be helping me move. I said, do it yourself. <laughs> I felt bad later. But it was because I procrastinated that I then, he and I didn't talk for a couple of days, you know. Um, I still helped him move, but, you know, he, he wasn't too happy with me because of that. I want you to look at the life of David, and I want you to look at what happens even just in this story. And we see a, a constant progression in the story of David. When, he t- when, when we take our next steps and, and move in a direction that God has called us to move in, we are being obedient to our calling. It makes, listen, it makes Satan angry. It makes him upset. And he's going to come at us. He is a prowl, prowling, roaring, lying lion waiting to devour us. And we have to be prepared. I said it a couple of weeks ago, how would we react? And how many of you saw on Facebook or wherever else um, the, 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 the cougar or the mountain lion, whatever it was, that six, for, for six minutes chased after this hiker or jogger or whatever it was and just stalked? It would move backwards. It would come at him. And I'm like, that's crazy. But could you imagine if everywhere we went... There was a a prowling, stalking cougar, lion, mountain lion waiting around the corner for us. It would change our perspective, wouldn't it? And that's what we need to do because, listen, that is happening right now. Satan is waiting to devour us, and we must be prepared. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 1 through 44. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. How did Goliath respond to David's confrontation? It was intimidation. It was manipulation. It was all to talk him out of walking away from the battle getting him to walk away from where God had placed him. The enemy does the same thing to us. He's going to intimidate us. He is going to try to manipulate us. He does not want us to do what God has called us to do. You're going to experience opposition. The very moment that you decide to accept the Lord as your Savior, the moment that you accept Jesus into your heart, you, can, you confess and you repent and you give your life over to him, that very moment, Satan is furious. And he's going to attack you. And he's going to bring you, he's going to try everything he can. And that's why we need to be meeting. That's why we need to be gathered together as Christians. We need to be in small We need to be in in men's Bible study. We need to be in in our ladies' Bible studies. We need to be in our life groups. You need to be a part uh, of the move. You need to be connected to... Listen, things are tough, and they're... Persecution is happening, and it's going to continue to happen, and we need to be prepared for it. We're going to talk about that in, in, in a couple of weeks. Listen, Satan is going to try to intimidate you. He's going to try to manipulate you. He wants to stop you from picking up your rocks. Because listen, the moment those rocks are picked up, Satan knows he's defeated. The moment you give your life over to him and you get connected and you take those next steps, he knows he's defeated. Satan's already defeated. He's already lost the war. 
but he's trying to win every battle between now and then. You are going to experience opposition. Max Lucado captures the contrast between David and Goliath. He says, the toothpick versus the tornado. The mini bike attacking the 18-wheeler. The toy poodle taking on the Rottweiler. I may take the poodle in that battle. Or if it was a chihuahua, I'd definitely take that one. So after taunting him, after Goliath going after David, he now calls out a curse on David and declared that he would feed David to the birds of the field. David does something that no one else had even thought of at this point. He took God off the shelf. So far, God has kind of just been up there. Yeah, we're, we're, we're God's nation. We're his holy people. But not really doing much about it to this point. Because they're all camped out on God's hill. But they're not acting very godly at this moment. They're not willing to go in to the battle. David introduced the Almighty into the equation. He alone was concerned about God's honor and the people's reputation. We have to enter God into the equation. Have you done that? You may be a Christian. You may be living for him, but have you introduced God into the equation of your life, into your family, into the workplace, into your friends, whatever it is that you are struggling with in your serving, has God been a part of your equation? Great opportunity comes with great opposition. They go hand in hand. You decide you're going to surrender your finances over to God, your car might not start. You, you decide you're going you're, you're gonna to hand all of your finances over to God, your heat pump goes out. Both of your heat pumps go out. You decide, I'm going to give everything over to God. And somebody throws a whole bunch of, I don't know what it was, but Teresa was driving down the road. This was when we were still living in Ohio and outside of an 18-wheeler, threw something out of his window, shattered the windshield right in front of her. You decide that you're going to give your finances over to God and, and you get hit with a bill from the IRS. You lose your job. You decide that, oh, I'm going to get my weight under control. The moment that you do that, you hear the preacher stand up and talk about the light on at Krispy Kreme Donuts. We all got to drive to Fredericksburg. You're asked to go out to eat four times this coming week. The moment that you decide that you're going to surrender over to God, whatever it is, you will come under attack. But listen, God always, always steamrolls the opposition. Completely, utterly destroyed. It may not always be in our timing, but God always, always steamrolls the opposition. Satan is already defeated. Pharaoh was already defeated before Moses went before him, and Pharaoh thought he had the upper hand, yet God was there for him every step of the way. Satan thought that he had defeated Jesus. Those Pharisees thought they had defeated Jesus. Three days later, he arose. Paul, all of the battles that he went through, in jail, in prison, and he says, rejoice, my friends. Again, I say, rejoice. Where was he when he wrote that? Jail. God always steamrolls the opposition. So in order to get us through these times of opposition, there are several things that will help us. Number one, understand that God has provisions for us. God provided for David. As we talked about a couple of weeks ago in Matthew chapter 7, even though we're evil, 
God is always there for us and knows how to give good things. He always cares for us. If he tells you to do something, he will be with you through it all. He provides a way. If he brought you to it, he will bring you through it. Remember that. If God brings you to it, he will bring you through it. So we, God always provides, and we have God's presence as well. David trusted in the presence of God. We all have fears, don't we? Many of them are completely irrational. But I don't know about you, but in the middle of the night, if there's a shower curtain up, I want that open when I go to bed at night. Because I don't want to walk in and worry who could be standing behind the shower. Nobody's behind the shower curtain. But it's October, and it's 2020, and you just never know what could possibly happen. I mean, certain things are completely irrational in our mind. We have fears about snakes. We have fears about spiders. <laughs> so Friday, there, there's a big wolf spider that's crawling up our screen, and Teresa's showing it to me. And so I go up, and I'm looking at it, trying to tell whether it's a, a, a wolf or a brown, uh, a brown recluse. And so I get really close to it, and I'm on the inside. It's on the outside, and Teresa's standing out uh, about five feet away from me to the, the first row of chairs here. And I go up, and I look at it, and I said, oh, it's just a, a wolf spider. And I took my finger, and I flicked it. And it bounced completely out and landed right beside her. She screamed and jumped, and yeah, it was, it was really bad. But, you know, we, we, all, we all have fears, right? Some of them completely irrational. How many of you can sleep with a hand or a foot hanging off the bed? No. Mm -mm. Little monsters. I watched Howie Mandel. No, thank you. Nope. Never going to happen, right? But we have some crazy things that go through our minds of what could happen. But God's presence is always with us. We do the same thing in the church. We allow a rational fear to drive us away. Satan and the opposition is no match for him. I want you to realize again, I will say it to you over and over and over again, you need to be meeting. Large group, small group, connect. Find God's people. Connect with them. Find God's presence. I love David's response in verse 45. I want you to listen carefully for God's name, Jehovah Sabaoth. It means that the God of power or the commander of the hosts of heaven. So David's teenage voice was probably cracking when he said this, but look at verse 45 and continuing. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabaoth, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. David now describes in great detail what he's going to do to Goliath. And then he takes what, what Goliath had used already on David and, and throws it back onto Goliath. Keep reading. Verse 30, 46, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and strike you down and I will cut off your head and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. You want to come at me, and you want to bring all of that talk, and you want to, you want to take my little body and feed it? Listen, I'm going to cut your head off, and I'm going to give you to the birds, and I'm going to kill every other Philistine that wants to come at me. David says, come on, bring it. Because I'm not going to battle you with sword. I'm not going to battle you with, with, with my mighty strength. I'm going to battle you with God. He took God off the shelf. He introduced him into the battle. And man, the power that David saw. He had taken next steps every step of the way. David was completely dependent on the presence of God. What would you be willing to do? If you were absolutely sure that God was with you, 
I mean, we do some pretty crazy stuff for a Klondike bar, right? What would we do if we knew that God was with us? I'm going to give you a little inside information. God's with you right now. The moment that you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, guess what? He came and he lived inside of you. He sent you his Holy Spirit. You have the same power living inside of you that David had. You have the same power living inside of you that Peter and Paul and James and John. You have that power living inside of you. The question is, are we willing to unleash it? Will we take that next step? Will we be like Stephen who will stand there and preach? No, Stephen, you need to leave the city. No, Stephen, don't do it. And he stood up and he preached Christ crucified even to his dying breath. And guess what? You have that same power living inside of you. The question is, are we willing to unleash it? Amos chapter 4 verse 13 describes this name, Jehovah Sabaoth, in great detail. He who forms the mountains creates the wind and reveals his thoughts to man. He who turns dawn to darkness and treads the high places of the earth. The Lord God Almighty, Jehovah, Jehovah Sabaoth, is his name. He is the ruler of it all. And he is your God. And he is living inside of you. When we truly understand this name for God, we will never view him the same ever again. He has unlimited power, unbridled might, and untarnished glory. He is impossible to describe and incredible to imagine. In contrast to Goliath, God is the creator of the world. The, the tallest man in the world may make the rest of us look small. Nine foot six. Now I'm six foot, depending on what shoes I'm wearing. I'm six foot, but nine six, I'm looking dead up. I don't, I don't want to fight somebody that tall. No thanks. Not describing all of the, the armor that he had on. No thanks. None of the rest of the Israelites wanted to stand up to him either. No thanks. But what David understood that the rest of the Israelites didn't is that God is even bigger than that. I mean, Goliath looks huge, but if you go to Sears Tower, I don't know what it's called now, Sears Tower in Chicago, whatever it's called now, if you look down from there, you can barely see Goliath. That's how big God is. And actually even bigger than that, you know that. David wrote this very thing when he wrote Psalm 23. We're going to talk about this next week. But he says, I will fear no evil. Why? Why would he fear no evil? Because you are with me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because you are with me. And then he describes all the way that God is with him. We get so fearful because we forget who God is. Too many times we focus on the what if. Moses in the burning bush. So when I go to Pharaoh, which I really don't want to do, Moses says. That, that's my interpretation of what he says. But when I go, who should I say sent me? What's he say? You tell him I am sent, sent you. You tell him I am. Jesus affirmed this in, in John chapter 8. He refers to himself as the I am. What is awesome is that God didn't say I was, I might be, I will be. He says I am. He is who he is. When he calls us and we start getting scared and wondering why, we just need to remember that he is. He is the God of the universe. He is the one 
who has called you. He is the one who saved you. He is the one who gifted you. He is the one who sustains you. He is the one who will never leave you and never forsake you. And even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though our lives may be on the line, guess what? There's something far greater that's coming after this life. When we get into a situation like this, we need to stop focusing on the what if and start focusing on the I am. Because I am is greater than any of the what ifs. It's God's presence. Then we come to God's power. How many of you have ever run into an electric fence? Now I see all these videos of people putting on the electric shock collars. Don't do that. I don't understand why anybody would do that. I've hit an electric fence. Now, there was times where I've done some dumb things with an electric fence, and we won't talk about those in church. But I've grabbed them, and it really hurts. And I've been weed whacking and not paid attention, and I'm going this way, and I backed right up into one right on the back of my leg. Woo! It's one thing when you know it's coming. It's another when you don't know it's coming, and it It hurts. Many Christians doubt the power of God because they've never experienced it. No one else discusses God. David discusses no one else but God. I love that. David sees what others don't and refuses to see what others do. You see, David majored in God. His whole entire focus was upon God. He sees the giant, mind you, but he sees God as even bigger. If you were to count the number of times that David makes a statement about Goliath, you would find only two in this entire passage. Now, the numbers of times that he refers to God, verse 26 says, the armies of the living God. Verse 36, the armies of the living God. Verse 45, the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. Verse 46 The Lord will deliver you into my hand that there is a God in Israel. Verse 47, the Lord saves not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord. David refers to God nine times in this passage compared to only two on Goliath. You see, David was focused on God, not the giant standing in front of him. We would experience much more victory in our lives if we counted on God instead of the giants in our lives. That's what we need to focus on. This week, I want you to try to focus on God more than anything else in your life. When that fear comes into your life, I don't want to say something real quick because there's some that are going, Travis, you may call it an irrational fear, but it is a crippling fear for me and I joke about it, but I know that there are real fears and there are anxieties that get us going that some of us would go, well, that's completely irrational, and to you it's completely rational, and I get it. I personally struggle with anxiety, so I get it. And I get into some of those situations, and and, and I'll lock up. I have two daughters that struggle with it, so I I get it. Again, I joke about it, but, but it's serious. But in the midst of those pains and struggles and fears and anxiety, just stop and focus on God. Give it up to Him. And then when you have those anxious moments that you're like, but God doesn't hear me, it's okay. He's always there. He's always with you. And what it may need to be is that you turn to one of your loved ones and and you say, hey, I I, I just need you right now. For my youngest daughter, it's her puppy. We got her a puppy several months ago, and the other night she couldn't sleep. And and she comes in, Gizmo is, uh, he he still doesn't want to just sleep in her room because he wants to be wherever our other dog Bailey is. But she comes into the room, and he's almost as big as her now but he's, he's 40 pounds and she goes daddy I, I, I can't sleep and I'm just not I'm feeling anxious and, and I don't know what it is and this is why we had gotten gizmo and I said okay take him 
And she grabs a hold of him. He's sound asleep. She grabs a hold of him and she picks him up and he's just laying there and, you know, carries, her, carries him into her bed and, and just holds him. She falls asleep. And she needed that. You say, Travis, what, what, what's, what's a dog gizmo have to do? That can be the comfort of God in your life. Find whatever it is that helps you in those moments. Find God's power. If you want to fillet your fears, remember that it is God who fights for you. He is the one that wins the battle. The only way to face your giants is to have faith in God. David stated this so clearly back in verse 26 that he is the living God. When I read through my Bible, I see his power throughout it all. The lame walking, dead people rising, and, and people today read their Bible and they say, well, yeah, that's what God used to do. But he doesn't do that anymore. I, I didn't get that memo. I see that power in so many others' lives today. And I say, well, they didn't get that memo. And God says, I didn't get that memo. I'm still, I am. I'm not, I was, I am. He has that power. And then we come to God's potential lastly. As we come through the end of this chapter, we see freedom. Look at verse 48. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. Here's the freedom. When the, Philistines saw, when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and, and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines and they plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. David didn't go to Jerusalem for approximately 20, for 12 years. Take the head of Goliath directly to Jerusalem. He actually carried it around as his trophy kind of nasty David wanted to be reminded and he wanted everyone else to be reminded of the power of God when you think about the next step of obedience you need to take in your relationship with God which do you most need to trust in today God's presence God's provision, his power, his potential? Which one is it that you need in your life? David set an entire nation free because he was willing to take the next step. Until you take the next step, the Holy Spirit is telling you to do, you're going to be stuck. You will live in fear. Because Jesus is alive today, we have the freedom to confidently take the next step for him. What is that next step in your life? Giving your life over to him, maybe for the very first time. Surrendering some addiction that you have in your life. Surrendering your finances over to God. What do you need to surrender 
today. We're going to take communion, and if you haven't gotten your communion, you can have somebody from your family go and, and grab it from one of the back uh, two tables. As you prepare to partake of communion, now is that opportunity that you can give that sin up to him. That you can stop holding back in your life. That you can say, God, I'm, I'm ready to take my next step. I'm ready to give up this sin. I'm ready to let go of this addiction. Stop praying about it. Stop using that as the, your excuse. Quit procrastinating. Give it over to him. Now's that opportunity that you can go before him. And if you need someone to talk to, I'm going to be in the back, and the elders are going to be in the back with me during communion, during the last song. You can call me. You can email me, text me. We'll set up a time that we can get together, and we can talk about what those next steps are, how you can get connected in one of our small groups. Don't live in fear. You have freedom and you have power. You have potential inside of you. Release it. Let's pray. Almighty Father, we thank you for being able to serve you in such amazing ways. And Father, as we uh, partake of communion, as we take the bread, as we take this juice, we are reminded of your power, the power that was in your son who took on our sin who took on our misdeeds who gave his life for us Satan thought that you were defeated that he had killed your son he didn't even know that he was defeated Three days later, he arose from the grave. And that power is in us today. And Lord, I pray that you help each and every one of us to unleash that power. Not just think that you're going to work in someone else, but that you will do a work in each one of us. We pray this in your son's most holy and precious name.